Hey guys, I had Kristen Martin on the show this week. Kristen is one of my very close friends. I've actually known her technically since I was in fourth grade. Uh, she is currently the wardrobe supervisor at Child's Play, doing some awesome work there. Uh, so we had a chance to talk about a particular niche of theater that I have the tiniest sliver of experience with and definitely zero talent in, uh, which is the costuming side of things. So she was very gracious to kind of share her own experiences with me and just talk a little bit about you know, what uh, what her field is like. So I was really excited to see that side of things with her. It was a lot of fun to speak in her apartment with her little puppy nearby. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this time with me and Kristen Martin. Starving Artist Phoenix, I'm Tony Machete, and we've got Kristen Martin with me. How you doing, Kristen? I'm well, how are you? I'm weller, thank you. <laughs> um, so, I am excited to get a chance to talk to you. I feel like, because we've known each other for a while, I always kind of put it off of like, alright, I, I can't just do all my best friends first, I've got to save it and like kind of work them in, but then I had some issues come up this week and I have to utilize our friendship on like a two hour <laughs> notice and be like, person, please let me interview you. I need to get an interview out, so thank you for that. I appreciate You're it. Anytime. <laughs> good, good. Well, just this time. Probably. Just this time. <laughs> so, you actually do deal with, I guess, an venue of theater that I don't really deal with at all, you know, dealing with costuming and stuff. I haven't really explored that much. So how did you end up in costuming? So in costuming in general, my junior year of high school, we did Into the Woods and I'm not a great singer, <laughs> but I was forced to audition anyways and I did not get cast and I went up to our high school theater teacher, Carrie Dirk, mm -hmm. and went... I want to be involved. How how do I get involved? Why did you want to be involved? At that point, you know, it was more interesting than sports because I was playing soccer six mm -hmm. days a week and, you know, I was an academic decathlon and I just wanted something a little more artistic. Stop laughing. <laughs> I mean, I was in the I'm already at my peak of athletics and academics. I may as well throw <laughs> something else in there. <laughs> and so I just wanted something, art, you know, artistic. And I was already doing the acting classes and I just... You know, it was the last show of the year, and, you know, it was my first main stage to be involved in, so I was just, just wanted to do something. So you were already doing the acting classes? Yes. I started off my sophomore year in our basic acting, and junior year was doing advanced performance, and I actually, one of the only reasons I signed up for advanced performance is because Mrs. Dirk took my sign-up sheet the year before and put it in in permanent marker, so I couldn't get rid of it no matter what. <laughs> but... It was also going into my senior year, we were putting together a class called production. Mm -hmm. No. Production workshop or production studio or something. Yep. Yeah. And so it was the mixture of the acting and the, mm. the tech. So I was already interested in it a little bit. And I knew that there were the tech classes over the summer or the tech days over the summer. And uh, just wanted to get involved any way I could. And she goes, well, we need somebody to do costumes. And that's how I got into costumes. <laughs> <laughs> so what... What did that entail the first time out? Was it just picking from the stock or was it 
actually like construction? Or? It was actually very odd because it was one that we didn't normally do even in high school is we rented it. Wow. It was one of the very few shows that they have rented because it's a larger musical. It's like a cast of, yeah, tw- you know, yeah. quite a few. <laughs> I think there was two costumes we didn't rent because it was Sleeping Beauty and we already had a Sleeping Beauty-esque costume in stock. And then Jack's mother or something, you know, something so basic (laughs) that we had. Um, But everything else was rented. So it was taking measurements, filling out the rental sheets, trying to figure out what we needed, and then giving it all to her to check over because... (laughs) Seventeen-year-old <laughs> high school student. Just to make sure. <laughs> Especially because rental, yeah, you know, are expensive, and you don't want to get anything you don't need to keep for that long. So was that exciting to you right out of the gate, like doing those kind of little things? I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> Just like, oh yeah, I was taking measurements and like filling out rental sheets and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I really like that because I mean the. Sh- Measurements and rentals ends up more in the shop aspect versus running shows, sure. which for that show, I ended up doing all the basic stuff, mm-hmm. getting it all ready and running the show. Oh, okay. But then also halfway through the show, our girl playing Snow White dropped out and she was my size. So not only was I doing costumes, I stepped in to do Snow White at the last second. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was something I was like, okay, you know, this, I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. this. At the time, I still was, you know, I'm going to go into business, or I'm going to be a pilot, and here we are now, and I'm the <laughs> wardrobe supervisor. <laughs> so, when it came around to, the, like, the next year, then, like, senior year and stuff, were you getting a lot more opportunities to do with it once you ex- expressed that interest? Or did you have a lot of other people that you were working with at a high school level that were doing that? We were very fortunate to have the um, technical program that we had mm-hmm. in our high school. Our high school is, I, I mean, I think it still is, but... Uh, we got it an award the year after I left for being one of the top five theater high school areas yeah. in the nation. And so Carrie Dirk, with the help of our other teachers, put on a very well-rounded education. I didn't necessarily stay in costumes my senior year because all throughout the summer I learned all the other aspects. So I did a lot more stage management okay. and lighting, except for very last show of the season, which was my favorite year. I did costumes for that. And that one was all, what's in your closet? What's in stock? What can I buy from the dollar rack of fabric at Walmart? Because we didn't have fabric stores. (laughs) That was very rough. And I think that was also the time that I definitely was like, I'm going to do this for a living. I'm going to try to do this for a living. Because acting wasn't panning out. And, you know, I just, I found it a lot more interesting to do the technical side than to do the onstage stuff. Was it you didn't feel like it was worth pursuing? Like you're just like, oh, this isn't something I like. This isn't the talent in myself. I feel like I I want to cultivate. Or like, was it just not that interesting to you anymore? It wasn't that interesting to me anymore? Gotcha. Yeah, you because know, mm-hmm. with the perf- uh, with the production class, mm-hmm. got to do both sides. And oh, yeah, I could do all the cooler stuff that is a little mm-hmm. less out there and in people's yeah. faces. Then look at me. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a running thing, but I've, I've noticed with a few of the people that are kind of behind stage that I've talked to is that they start off as actors because they feel like that's what you do in theater. Like, oh, I, I, I like theater, so I guess I'm, I'm going to be an actor. And then they learn all these other positions and they're like, oh, no, wait, no, acting sucks. No, this is way cooler. So that's really exciting. Okay, so at what point did you decide that you were going to do it in higher education? Probably midway through senior year because that's when you, you know, you got to start 
doing <laughs> applications for college and I just, you know, at that point I realized I you know, wasn't as into science and math as I had thought after being in all my advanced classes and finally my senior I did, you know, going into senior year I only needed to take you know five classes cuz I absolutely yeah. had to and <laughs> I didn't take any advanced classes. I took college courses instead so that I wouldn't have to take classes in high school so that I could fill my schedule with theater. So three of my five periods were theater-related classes. Uh, My other one was academic decathlon. (laughs) And then the U.S. Constitution history, which we had to take. So... So it was actually like filling out the application type of thing, and you're like, I guess I'm going to do theater. Yeah. Business, to me, was always my backup plan. I was always going to get a minor in business just because it made sense. It is a well-rounded major, and it gives you a lot of basic and useful information, you know, in all aspects, not just, oh, you're going to go into business, you need all these classes. Because even in the arts, we need business minds. Right, sure. So, no, like, I felt with choosing theater as my major and having a business minor would let me fill in anywhere even if theater didn't pan out. That's an interesting comment, though, that, that we still need business minds. So what what do you mean by that? Because we as artists sometimes get lost in our art, and it's not all about the art. It's about, you know, the people who market our art. And our social media is such a huge thing nowadays, and it's a business. It's a it's major business in this time. A lot of people don't think of it that way but it really is because you're marketing yourself Mm -hmm. it's drawing people in because they could see your painting or your performance on your social media Mm -hmm. because somebody shared it and then all of a sudden you have a new person who follows you who you know may come see something of yours and then it's also you know money (laughs) money is business (laughs) no matter how you look at it if you are buying something for your performance you are you know providing business to somebody else but you're also making whatever you you know taking whatever you buy and making it for your business which then somebody may either pay to see your show or your whatever Mm -hmm. piece of art so it is it's just a constant flow of money and business so it's there's just two sides it's always you know there's always an admin part of theater so is, is that always the responsibility of the individual? Or do you feel like that's more of like a company setting? Like, do you think every dresser and every costumer and, and every builder and everything, every draper is going to have to be thinking about themselves as or their own personal business? Or like, how does that work for them? I think it just, it varies. Because, you know, if you're a freelance, well, then it's definitely a business. Okay, but like, if you're in a big shop, then you have a shop manager taking care of the business stuff. But then if you're a draper, then you got to think about, you know, what amount of yardage of fabric am I using at what price and you and the you know shop manager have to think about budget and once you get down to like stitchers it's a little less in big shops because you know they're just handed something and they get paid but (laughs) then you also have to think uh you know personally is my business of of work Mm -hmm. keeping me in house and home is it enough so it's I mean there's a little bit but well, it's just it, you know it's a it's a trickle down effect once you're in a big shop. But like freelance yeah. and smaller shops, you know you get a little bit more of the business aspect. Well, that's an interesting way of looking at it too, because I feel like with most jobs, you know, they always say like everybody contributes to the overall business. You know, even the person working the cash register at McDonald's uh, like affects their bottom line type of thing. But 
I feel like in the, in the theater, because there's maybe so much competition and so few jobs, that type of thing, that, that really does matter. Because if you're somebody, if you're a stitcher, even if your job is to just stitch what's hand, handed to you, and, and if you slow down the whole operation, it can come back on you. And, like, it can actually have some consequences, I feel like, potentially. Whereas other other companies, maybe not. I don't know. Is that something that kind of hangs over your head? And A little bit, just because our shop is smaller. So I do have a little bit more of the business aspect. Also, when... I mean, we can talk about this a little bit later, but we do backstage breakfasts where we have donors and stuff come in, and I'm one of the few people who have to talk to them. And so it's like, I'm speaking to somebody who could be paying my salary soon. Like, who could be donating that could come to me? And then also, you know, if I'm slow, then I'm only going to get a few things done, and then people are going to get frustrated with me at sewing because I'm not getting my portion done. Or in another aspect, if you're freelancing and you get called in for a gig... If you can only output so many things, especially in like few day long gig mm-hmm. where you're trying to mass produce certain things like for concerts or ballets, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to get through things so quickly. If you're not producing, then why would they want to hire you again? So you're basically, you can be losing business because you can't keep up with the demand. Let's jump out of time a little bit then since we're bringing it up. So you've worked quite a few different types of gigs over the years that I've noticed. So is there a difference from your side of things as to like the type of job you're doing? Like if you're working costume for a costume versus, you know, opera versus straight play that even if it's, you know, a repertory theater versus like regional theater. that type of thing. Kind of. Mm-hmm. And also not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I've worked in the small shops where it's just a few people. My current shop is four of us and only two full time. But I've also worked at Utah Shakes, which has a costume shop of up to 60 people working on six, seven shows. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you like, you know, the person's name, but that's about it. <laughs> Every shop is different. Mm-hmm. Standards, you know, building practices, personnel, just compatibility issues with people. So just trying to figure out new elements, you know, theater is theater kind of, Mm -hmm. but it is different between a regional house and a smaller production. Or if I take things on for myself, like alterations or, you know, helping somebody with a costume Mm -hmm. by myself, then the work is, the work is different. It feels a little bit different. So is it just in kind of how the work gets broken up between everybody who's there? Is that the main thing? Or is it like different sets of expectations at different levels? I feel like the expectation levels are kind of similar of, you know, we want to produce the best work that we have, that we can produce. Because if you put out shoddy work, nobody's going to want to see it. Nobody's going to want to look, you know, look at it. Nobody's going to want to have you around because you're not putting out your best work. You also, on the other hand, you know, alterations. Nobody's going to want to hire you if you're going to give them bad alterations. (laughs) But, you know, you just, they expect you to work your best, be your best and put out the best work you can. That role is the same, but in a small house, everybody's doing everything. I'm a stitcher when I'm not working shows. Uh, We have cutter drapers and then we have our shop manager and then we have outside designers who come in. You tend to see that everywhere of there is that flow of command, but usually everybody can step in to take over certain jobs if they need to. Is that a pretty much an expected thing if you're going to be hired in at any position? Like if you're hired as a stitcher, are they expecting you to be able to drape if you needed to or dress? Usually stitching and dressing go hand in hand because uh-huh. you'll switch over from being a stitcher to a dresser in a lot of places. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I do. I stitch half the time and I dress half the time. Mm-hmm. But in bigger places, if you're hired as a stitcher, you're going to be a stitcher. 
Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you're not going to move up into a draper or a first hand position because somebody left. They're because they're going to bring somebody in to cover those positions who went to school or have been there previously in that position. Whether or not there's somebody currently there who can step in, unless they've done it previously mm-hmm. and it's a last minute thing. But if you're working at a big place and you get hired as a stitcher or a first hand, you're going to stay in that position. But a lot of places do cover. If you're a stitcher, you're also going to dress once shows go into okay. tech. Those ones usually go hand in hand. Um, Is that like a frustrating thing if, when you get into a position? Do you find yourself getting kind of stuck in the same position over and over? Or is um, there some room for growth? It just depends on where you are. A lot of places, if you go, especially summer stock, mm-hmm. if you keep going back and you are progressively learning and showing that you have these skills, then a lot of times you'll get moved up. Um, but you have to be proactive and ask for it. You can't just continue applying for the you know whatever position you went in as and expect to get moved up. Because if you're not proactive, I mean, and I feel like that ranges everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not proactive about what you want to do then you are going to stay where you are. <laughs> like in my job, I can't, you know, I'm wardrobe supervisor, stitcher. Mm-hmm. But when there's smaller projects and I can go to my boss and say, I want to, you know, I want to pattern something. And if we have the time, he's going to absolutely let me pattern something. And that's just, it's, you know, it's nice being in the smaller realm, being able to do that because I couldn't do that at Utah mm-hmm. because it's just so quick, so fast paced, you know, producing so many costumes for so many shows. Couldn't really do that. Whereas with my company, I can. How do you get in on like a summer production like that, like a summer stock? The way I got in, in a way most people that I know personally have gotten in onto a summer stock, especially in like Utah Shakes, mm-hmm. Utah Festival Opera, um, Santa Fe, yeah. PCP, you know, all those, yeah. is um, our mentors, our teachers, who have been going there for years and go, you need to apply. I'm, if you apply, I will tell them that you were mine. And it'll, you know, it'll be more likely that you'll be hired. It's, it's hardly ever just random apply, get hired. It's, it's always word of mouth, who you know, who you've worked with. Um, And then once you're in the door, if you do well and they like you, you kind of can go back when, you know, like you may skip. Yeah. Own reputation build up. Yeah. You may skip a year something may happen, Mm -hmm. but if you apply again and especially if you send out that personal email, just like, you know, Hey, I wasn't able to make it last year and I was very sad. You know, I'm coming back that, you know, I would like really like to come back this year. Like just the small personal touch will help, but (laughs) it really is who, you know, it's such a, it's such a business of who, you know, don't burn bridges. So how do you get that person behind you then? Cause I know that that's half of the business in like a, a lot of different positions is just who, you know, and, and getting someone to vouch for you. So what did you do? Um, I was very fortunate to work with three wonderful people in college and Kate, who was my advisor, she had worked at the shakes for almost 20 or no 12 years something along those lines very you know over a decade she it was just putting forward to her of i am interested what can i do to show you you know that i can do this making sure that all my work for her was done well and fast or better well than fast but but both is great but both is great (laughs) you know just always making sure that if there was something i could do you know, going to her and going, what can I improve on? What can I do this? You know, just making sure that I was there. I was in the forefront. So this was like your goal. You were like, okay, I'm going to get a recommendation for Utah Shakes. 
that type of thing. And like that, so that was kind of in the back of your head with everything that you were doing with her. A little bit, <laughs> yes. Mostly, and that mostly came up my junior, my so, or my junior senior year of college mm-hmm. of wanting to get there because um, I know a few of the girl, you know, other women that I worked or was in college with in my area mm-hmm. had gone to other places, and like Santa Fe was a big one for us too. And I, you know, to me, I wanted to go to Utah. You know, for whatever reason, everything I had read about Utah was where, you know, if I was going to go any summer stock, that was the one I wanted to go to. <laughs> what do you think it was that made that one more interesting? Um, I mean, Cedar City is beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. But just like the quality of productions that went out. And I am more interested in theater than I am in opera and okay. Santa Fe's opera. Right. I mean, I've worked, you know, I did wa- opera in, I did costumes for opera <laughs> in college. <laughs> it's nice, but it's. I, I much prefer theater. Even though the job that you're doing may not be that different from the like production of production, you you want to enjoy the production you're working on, basically. Yes, very much so. And understand most of it, too. Because <laughs> for me, opera is very hard to get. You know, just, I don't know. Musicals mm-hmm. versus opera are vastly different. And, you know, I love Shakespeare, too, so that didn't hurt. Perfect. Okay. Got you. So... I know that you've still kind of pursued every once in a while an acting opportunity when it came up as well. Like, is that something that still is in the back of your head at all? Wanting to do something like that? Um, no, not really. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty much gone now. It's pretty much gone. I think the last time I acted was junior, senior year of college. And that was more of, I was supposed to be the stage manager. And we had one Mm. last person to read, and we needed somebody Mm. to read against her, and it was me. (laughs) And... The next day, the cast list went out, and I was cast. <laughs> and so that was pretty much the last time. And after that, I was like, I'm done. No acting. Like, <laughs> Was it just not a good experience that specific time? Or I don't want you to like you know throw me under the bus, but they're not going to listen to this. Oh, no. Oh, no. I loved that. I loved okay. that show. I loved I also got to be the fight choreographer for that. So a lot of sword fighting, some hand-to-hand. I loved that show. But, you know, it was really just, I have no interest this does not hold my interest the way it did in in high school <laughs> you know i would much rather be in the costume shop building you know the costumes for this than on the stage nice. and that's another thing too is that you, you would you prefer building over designing or do you like more the kind of tangible aspects of it i don't like designing at all huh? <laughs> um that was one of the major things in college was i did not go for design i went to learn how to build and to run shows accurately I had to take the design classes because everybody in the, you know, it was a design tech, not just one or the other. And so I had to take the design classes. I didn't really like it. I do do one design a year for the past three years, but I also get away with making collages versus actually drawing things out (laughs) (laughs) because it's an entirely pool show. But yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy designing. I don't like, you know, giving somebody my rendering and going, do you like this? Because I'm always like, God, I'd like all the small things that I messed up on this. Oh, God. So no design for me, except for my recurring one. And is that something that just com- comes along with the gig type of thing that they came to you with? Or? It's for the youth ensemble mm-hmm. for Child's Play. And that was more of the youth ensemble got brought up as mm-hmm. an idea. And I was around and somebody asked me, would you be interested in designing? And I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and... I've designed all three shows cool. of Yeti so far. That's awesome. Now, talking about that too, so once you transitioned out of 
college, how did you get into the professional field? So I actually, <laughs> I applied for Utah mm -hmm. in November, December, and then I didn't hear anything for a while. And I, you know, I was gearing up for spring semester and I was telling Kate, like, I haven't heard anything, you know, I'm getting worried. And she was like, no, no, don't worry. And so right before uh, USITT, uh, United States Institute for Theater Technology, holds a yearly convention. Mm -hmm. And right before that, I heard back from Jeff Leder, and I'd gotten the basic stitching and like the basic summer contract, which is yeah. stitching and summer dress. So the same thing you'd been getting, kind of. Um, kind of. of. I mean, it was my first one out of school. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then there was a possibility that I could get hired for fall as well, which is a six month contract. It's really nice. And met him at USITT conference and was great. And I was really excited. And then, uh, maybe a month after I got hired, I found out that I would get the full contract, the full six month contract. And, um, but I was required to leave school before I graduated. So the week of finals. Uh -huh. So I had to go to all my teachers, tell them what was going on, and, you know, everybody was very awesome, very cool with it, even my business. And by that time, I had switched from a business minor to an arts and cultural management minor. Everybody, I only had one class in each, so I, there, everybody was fine with it, took everything, drove up, you know, a week before, you know, graduate, mm -hmm. the graduation date, and started working immediately. Wow. And that was my first experience, drove five hours to get up to Cedar City and into some apartment with two other women that I had never met before <laughs> and had to figure out how to get to the costume shop the first day <laughs> and like everybody's just like standing around except for the people who knew each other mm -hmm. and it was kind of intimidating because there were so many people and it's a brand new shop and there's six shows going on at once and each show has a different area and each show has a first hand and a draper and then you know there's four to six designers and then there's you know the shop manager and the shop assistant and the the mass amount of people compared to you know going straight from school to that <laughs> was just like eye-opening wow and then after the first week it kind of fell into a pattern and was really easy and then switched up from doing show or from building the shows to running the shows and that was summer and summer you know summer ended really it felt really quick mm -hmm. and then we were building the fall show while still running the show that ran from summer to fall okay. which was Les Mis and um wow. built Hamlet and stones in his pocket and then so they just instantly just like build the run build run build run basically yeah. and then uh we struck and I, like I think three weeks before the end of my fall contract at that point I, you know I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I had no idea like I didn't have another job lined up I w was just gonna move home until I could figure something out and I got an email from somebody I'd met in Utah and was like I think you'd be great for this position and gave me all the information and I sent off an email to my current boss and I was like hi you know so-and-so told me about this position. I'd like to apply here as my resume, a cover letter, all that. 
and forgot to attach anything. Oh, <laughs> and no. I and I, I was just dying. I was like, I will literally never work for this company ever. <laughs> and he emailed me back and I attached it and yeah. sent it. And the next day I had an interview. And three days after that, I was hired. Wow. And I struck, you know, we had our final shows. We struck the next day, all the fall shows. And then I drove home that night through the night. And that was October 28th. Yeah. And then the 29th, I had the day off. And the 30th, I started a child's play. Wow, that's awesome. So within three weeks, I went from not having anything and my job about to end to having another full-time position as a wardrobe supervisor stitcher for my current company. That's nuts. And so this contract, if I can ask, I mean, is this a year-to-year contract or is this like a season at a time or what is it? Um, it's definitely seasonal. Yeah. It's also seasonal, like based off of the school year, not... You know, just not like it's an odd season. So it's year to year, but I've been very lucky that they Mm -hmm. like me enough to keep me. (laughs) So is that just a thing that kind of hangs over everybody's head once the season starts to wrap up? Like in in every company where it's just like, okay, contract's up. Like, do I start scrambling for another position or do I just, you know, plead my case with them type of thing? Is that just something that comes up every year you have to think about? Um, Not really. I I was felt that way my first year because I just wasn't sure. And it kind of took me until like the last month to be like, do I still have a job next year? (laughs) Um, And at this point, it's kind of just we're so used to each other, you know, we work very well and I, I kind of just assume I have the job, which is not very bad, you know, but not very good of me, but I love where I work. It's great. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I do know people who scramble from contract to contract, whether or not they're going to stay with the people they're with, or they're going to jump to a, you know, a summer contract from a fall contract or from a, Mm -hmm. you know, full season contract. And, you know, sometimes it's, do I go back to school or do I take another contract? So. Is freelance pretty common? I know so many freelancers and a majority of them are doing very well for themselves. And like the couple that I know who like are on and off freelancers Uh have gone back to school. So like they're kind of just delayed right now. But I do know a a few freelancers who are doing very well for themselves. Interesting. That the idea of freelance work makes me panic so much. It it does me too because I'm like I don't think I could do freelance. Like I, you know, most most freelancers that I know are designers. Oh, okay. Which I think is it's easier for a designer to be freelance than a technic, you know, a a stitcher. Um. Because I feel like as a stitcher, I would just be doing wedding alterations or, you know, Halloween costume alterations versus (laughs) actually like doing theater. When it comes to, I want to bring up something that you you mentioned a little bit earlier on that I'm kind of curious about. Just the idea of different companies all still trying to do their best work, whatever that might be for their level. Is there a lot of frustration since you do have some design experience as well and just like, you know, the shop experience of it? Frustration with uh, dealing with a budget, I guess. How How does that work for you? How does that look? Budgets. (laughs) Budgets. Uh, budgets. Can... She said with a shudder. <laughs> <laughs> right. Budgets vary for everything and depending on what kind of show it is. So like our main stages obviously have more than our local tours, which are always smaller. Yeah. Our national tours have a little bit more than our local tours. The show that I design has a much smaller budget than any of those because it's a pool show. It's entirely, you know, yeah. what we have in stock except for a few items. So budgets are can be very frustrating except for you know especially for a community that relies on donations and grants as a way to provide the budget for the season so if you're not pulling in 
from the business aspect, um, pulling in enough or the same amount of grants and donations, then your budgets are obviously going to be smaller and, you know, trying to stay within budget for certain shows can be hard. And then you have to try to balance it. Like if I, if I overspend on this first show, is there any way that I can make it up in the second show, which we try not to do because then you're, you there's a production quality that you want to maintain. Yeah. How do you even approach quality in that, that type of situation where you know there's only so much you can do? I mean, you know, stick to the budget you have. You don't, you know, you just do not go over. Um, we've had designers where we had to go, this is your budget. You cannot go over. Oh, you want this thing? You're going to go over your budget. You can't have it. <laughs> so we can take this and make it look like that, but it can't. we can't get that specific item. You know, we can't buy $300 shoes because that puts you over budget. Like, you would have no budget left for anything else. So it's just... It, that's mostly shop management, which is an area that I have a little less experience in, but I would like to get more. I feel like you have to deal directly with the ramifications of those decisions, though. When they bring you a design and piece of material and be like, make this this, and we're like, what? <laughs> uh, yes, we have had many designers do that. Yeah. And you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm every costume shop a designer will come in and go i bought this these two yards of this chintzy one-way directional pattern (laughs) fabric for you to build this suit out of and it's like uh well (laughs) you can't do that (laughs) um and they expect you to work miracles and make a suit out of that fabric and it's just it can be very difficult with people to you may want this but Mm -hmm. our budget says we get this um, especially with designers who work mm-hmm. in at big houses who have these beautiful budgets <laughs> and these big budgets and these shops that, you know, 40 people shops that they can build anything they want out of the show. And then you come to our shop and we have <laughs> this small budget, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, a good size budget for us, but sure. a four person shop, if especially if the designer doesn't want to build or doesn't know how to build to get the same, and I don't want to say it's the same quality because you still have the people who are working very hard sure. to give you what you want, but you know, you can, you know, you can't buy a thousand dollar yard silk <laughs> at our company as you can other companies. <laughs> so what is the appeal then of like guest designers then over maybe somebody who's a resident? Bringing in outside designers mm-hmm. gives you a new look because a lot of times if you use the same designer, you start seeing a through line of their shows of you can look at a show and go, oh, this person designed it. Mm-hmm. I know exactly who designed it because it has the same, you know, same fanciful thing yeah. about it. Same, like, sensibilities. Of yeah, thing. and, like, you just start seeing the same show in this in all of these different shows because it's the one designer. So it's, it's nice bringing in somebody else from the outside because you get these different views and these different experiences, mm-hmm. but you also have to sometimes pay them more. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are very good about... If you're designing this, this is how much you're getting. This is your design fee. There is no more. There is no less. This is your design fee. This is your budget. This is our shop manager who's going to take care of it. (laughs) Um, Whereas in-house, you have somebody who really knows what the shop is capable of and what we can produce in the certain amount of time on the budget that we have. So, like, there's there's pros and cons to each. Mm. We do, every year, have a couple in-house designers and then bring in designers from mostly from the valley uh we do have a couple who like live in tucson and one from california or something so 
Just usually people who are here in the valley is just easier for us. Makes sense. Are you are you interested in like shop management or like what do you feel like is the next step for you naturally? I would love to do shop management <laughs> because I feel like that's also a job that you can do until until age takes you. <laughs> Whereas if anything happens to my hands, well, I may not be able to stitch anymore, or I may not be able to dress anymore because I may not be able to pull up a zipper and. You know, so whereas shop management, you can run a shop even if you have arthritis or anything. Whereas if I go and Mm -hmm. get carpal tunnel from sewing so much or Mm -hmm. cutting so much fabric, then I'm going to have a hard time continuing to sew. So, I mean, I take in as much as I can about shop management. Mm -hmm. I do see myself doing it in the future. I don't want to drape. I don't want to design. I have a little bit of interest in draping and patterning and whatnot, but only in so far. (laughs) Okay, well, it's about time to kind of wrap up and ask the last couple of questions that I like to ask. First off, <laughs> first off, is there any other artist in town? Doesn't have to be in like your same field. Just anybody you want to give some recognition to? God, there's so many people. I mean, obviously, I I mostly deal with costumers. Yeah. I don't deal a lot outside of that area. <laughs> Who to mention? Like, I mean, I guess I can mention some organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anybody in in town who you um, I mean, think is doing good work. Obviously, yeah. the people I work with. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Hollingshead, Gail Wolfenden-Steve, and Liz Eilenfeld are great. Right. Gail is especially a very interesting person. She does belly dance and does a whole bunch of like belly dance costumes. And Sweet. she's working with, um, I call her the tutu master, <laughs> um, but she's a woman who does like tutus and ballet costumes for movies and stuff. Right. Who lives? Who just moved back to the valley? But then That's there's so interesting as a specialty. Just like I make tutus all day. Yeah, um, she's very interesting and she does such beautiful work. Cool. Um, then obviously like there's Phoenix theater in their costume shop who I enjoy working with and it's, you know, they're different from us. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the, obviously the plays produced cause we put on children's shows and they produce adult theater for the most <laughs> part. And then, you know, the opera, mm-hmm. have you seen some of those costumes? Uh, Beautiful. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's just also the people who do like cosplay and stuff like Amber Skye's cosplay. Mm-hmm. She does great, great work. I love watching, uh, following all her social media. Mm-hmm. And then I don't, I don't know her name, but I just saw this video on Facebook. <laughs> this is really terrible of me, but it's this woman who lives in Chandler who makes these amazing wings, fully functional, can flow out in full feathers and she doesn't, you know, realistic or like cosplay-esque and I like sat there and was just like, oh, that's so beautiful. I wish I could do that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, just like there is a ton of fabric artists around the valley that do amazing work and have like such different specialties rather than just theater sewing. And but that's not necessarily something that you try to get into yourself. You just like to kind of appreciate the other work. Yeah. I mean, I look at cosplay and I go, that's cool. That's also a lot of work that I'm not willing to put in. <laughs> I'm not, I, I sew at work. I don't want to come home and sew as well because <laughs> I'm a little lazy. I'd rather play my video games. Uh, okay. Uh, other things. If there's anything that you want to plug personally, anything uh, around the corner? Our next show. Yeah. I can do that. Um, Snowy Day. We're going into tech this yes. week. On Thursday, I actually start tech. Mm-hmm. It opens. The first preview will be this Sunday, which is... I'm really bad at dates. The 20th? No. 19th? The 21st. Or no, 21st. Sorry. Yep. 19th is Friday. <laughs> I have something on the Friday. Um, the 21st, which will be our first preview, which means that we will be open on Saturday the 27th. We have shows on weekends on one at 1 and 4 for uh, childsplayaz.org for tickets and stuff. And then we are also have another show, which is going to be a local tour coming up called Maddie's Fridge, which is a new show. 
Um, and then our last show of the season, which is Flora and Ulysses, which is going to be a Tempe Center for the Arts, which awesome. I'm going to be very excited because it's going to have a puppet squirrel. <gasps> A puppet squirrel. A puppet superhero squirrel. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, those are all the things that I have coming up in the next few months. Love it. Okay. Last thing I'd like to ask, if you were to encounter someone who is going down your same path, what's uh, one piece of advice you want to give them? Do your best work and make sure that you build the relationships and maintain those relationships. Don't make, you know, don't make the acquaintance and never follow through. If there's somebody out there who has done something for you, send them the thank you card. You know, send them some thing a week, you know, a couple weeks later, thanking them for what they did because they will always remember that. You know, art in the artist community, relationships are key. Just no matter how odd they may seem, like who you know is going to help. Love it. All right. Do your best work. Maintain the relationship. Send the damn thank you card. Love it. Thank you very much, Kristen. Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistphx at gmail.com.